Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Hello, all. Welcome back to another episode of Pickled Parables. This is Hunter Hoover, uh, and I have the pleasure of sharing with you this week. Uh, this episode is somewhat different. Um, it's not different. There, it, you will receive. Uh, hopefully, you will you will receive um, encouragement, uh, some applications to be drawn, as well as some reflection to to be gained from God's word this week. Um, but this episode is going to serve as kind of an end cap to the first and second Peter series that we began way back in February. Um, last episode, Jesse shared from, uh, second Peter chapter three. Uh, and so this week is going to serve as kind of a summary of first and second Peter to open up. Uh, I want to share just some reflections that I've had, um, both as uh, it's one of those curious things uh, when you when you teach the Bible and when you're studying Scripture, whether it's to teach it or for your own, uh, you you find that you are often preaching to yourself, and the things that you are learning uh, are speaking to you of of almost first and and foremost um, in that. And one of the concepts that I have been coming back to, I don't know why um, my mind's been drawn to this, but it's one of those that as I've been studying Peter alongside Jesse and Michael Turtelot uh, and, and reflecting on what they have shared, it, I, as well as things that I'm studying in my own personal study, I'm brought back to this idea of exile. Um, and... I want to note here, exile is a strange concept. It, it, it is very likely, and I pray that it is a concept that is moderately foreign, uh, at least in this life and physically to all of you who are hearing. Um, but there are some who, for whom exile, uh, for whether they have been displaced or forcibly removed from their homes, is a reality in this world. Uh, in short, Exile means living separate from your home, having either been forced to leave or the home is no longer viable for you to live in. In the Old Testament, God's people experienced exile on a number of occasions. Uh, first, and it, and it doesn't always strike us as this, but the, the Israelites' time in Egypt is a form of exile. They were in the land. And while they traveled to Egypt on their own accord to escape the famine of the land, it ended up in slavery and a form of exile nonetheless. Then, later, they were exiled to Assyria and Babylon. And by the time of Christ and the life of Peter, 
they still often felt as if they were exiles in their own land, being occupied by others and not necessarily always being able to practice or experience the agency that maybe they they longed to have. But it should be noted when the Israelite people, and often in church history and church discussion, when we speak of the exile of God's people, we are often speaking of their time in Babylon. In their Old Testament, if you if you want to read about exile life, you have a wide array of scriptures to turn to. Some that give a, a very good picture of this include Nehemiah, Ezra, um, and and for our purposes and a little bit of discussion to begin today, the book of Daniel. Now, the book of Daniel gives us a great picture of living as exiles and a people devoted to God, because in the Old Testament and for God's people, being dispatched from the promised land, the place of God's promises, exiled from it, often came with this seeming attack or this infringement on their identity as God's people. How can we experience the promises of God, the land in this, in this instance, if we are removed from it and we are no longer there? And what's interesting is the picture that Daniel paints of this life is we would expect there to be these two options. One is of constant turmoil, as if the people lived in in frequent and constant outright opposition and conflict to the culture around them. Or we expect them to see, we expect to see them cave entirely and fully commit themselves to the culture of Babylon. And what is interesting is Daniel shows us a picture of exile life that assimilates to the culture that is, takes on the culture and and interacts within it in a way which we can and still do hold firm to the reality of being God's people and its implications uh, of being God's people on our lives. In the case of Daniel, they had positions of of leadership and influence in the culture, in their, their exiled culture, Yet, we see Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be tossed to a fiery furnace, and Daniel himself thrown to a pit of lions when those offices called them to go outside of God's law and what it would mean to practice their lives as God's people. Living as exiles truly means being in the culture, but not of it. Learning to engage with the world around us in a way that both takes it head on with a, a full devotion to living out who we are in Christ in the midst of a culture that often does not enjoy Christ. To the Christians of Peter's day, those he wrote to and those we have been studying the letters of in, in the last six months, they experience exile at the hands of a different Babylon, this one named Rome. These Christians had been scattered to the region of Asia Minor due to their faith in Jesus. And so, 
Peter writes his first letter as a guide and encouragement for living as exiles. How do we live as people displaced, due to suffering in this case, and yet stand firm in the face of that suffering? He reminds them that God had, quote, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 3. This was the salvation that the prophets of old spoke of and angels longed to behold. And as a result, though persecuted, the believers receiving Peter's letter and ourselves should continue to strive to live holy, set-apart lives for Jesus or be in the culture, but not of it. And much like in Daniel... This may mean suffering for the sake of of righteousness. Daniel's three friends and Daniel himself had an opportunity to not suffer. Yet, they chose the pangs of suffering for doing what was good and right over caving to the whims of the culture. In his letter, Peter gives a charge for those who would lead communities of believers as he closes his first letter. In short, in light of being exiled and persecuted as a result for their faith, Peter summarizes his letter, his first letter in 1 Peter 4, verse 19. He says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Above all else, In the face of suffering, Peter says to his beloved recipients that we entrust our souls to a faithful creator and seek to do good. And though we sit at our homes, hopefully with AC in these hot days, at at the day of recording this, it was 105 degrees here in the, in the Pacific Northwest. That's hot. Um, and, and I think of uh, Michael Rogers and the Arizona crew who have taught on the show and will be teaching on the show here soon. Uh, and, and just pray for these, pray for these men. Um, it, it is un- unbelievably hot in other parts of this country and the world. But, but we sit at our homes or we drive down the road or wherever you're listening to this. If you have put your faith in Christ... Scripture speaks as if your ultimate hope and your final home is not here. And while this is not actually exile, I'm not going to pretend like I'm in exile as I sit in my closet speaking to you through the internet. (laughs) But there are principles of living in exile, which Peter is trying to pull forth in his letters, which will apply to us today. We assimilate in this world while not caving to the cultural pressures which are against Christ. And when we do so, when we play nice with the world in the ways that we can, and when we face trial, we commit ourselves to a faithful creator and continue to seek to do good, learning from so many who've gone before us, and our own Savior's words, you will be persecuted for my name's sake. So Peter sends his first letter, and it is distributed and copied amongst these churches and passed between the churches in Asia Minor. But Peter wrote two letters, 
and he wrote them pretty close to each other. And one of the things that I, I, I wanted to explore more when I did my episode in Second Peter, but I just didn't get to it, um, was why. Why did Peter write two letters? Why didn't he not just write one extended letter that said all of what he had to say? Well, in short, something came up. And our study of Second Peter gives us a clue as to what came up. In Second Peter, Peter writes to these churches in Asia Minor, having already encouraged them to be mindful of their hope, to remember their hope, and to live well and trust God in, his, in, in that first letter. Now, Peter moves to give warning. In the couple years between him writing his first letter, it seems there arose amongst these Christian communities that he has cared so much about, there's false teaching, and there is reason for concern. And Peter, as one who has been charged by Christ to tend his sheep, writes to them. And, and based on where Peter directs his emphasis, and we saw this when, when uh, Michael Turtelot shared from the book, he concludes his warnings about false teachers, and, and these, these false teachings are centered primarily on an idea about the person of Jesus. Peter calls and directs these believers to be grounded in their knowledge of Jesus. This suggests that the false teachers were teaching a Jesus contrary or foreign to the gospel. I'm here to tell you, again, to reiterate the, the spirit of what Michael Turtelot shared with us, a Jesus that is contrary to the good news of the gospel is no, is no Jesus worth believing. Peter calls and directs these believers to be grounded in their knowledge of Jesus. And this suggests that whatever this false teaching was, it taught a Jesus that was foreign to the gospel. It can be concluded based also on his emphasis of the coming return of Christ and his call for moral uprightness that these false teachings had begun to suggest that pickled page flip for you, that in one, in some way or for some reason, there were false teachers who began to teach that Jesus was not coming again. I think so often of the, the movements in our church today. And while I think there's a balance to be struck, we've, we've been given a charge in this life. And, and while we can spend so much time with our, with our eyes turned heavenward that we miss what the work that God has for us here in this life on this earth, nonetheless, we await our Savior. He is coming again. And number two, a second false teaching that seems to be on Peter's heart as he writes Second Peter it is that Jesus doesn't care how you live in this life. Once saved, you're saved and you're good. It's easy, easy believism. It's, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's cheap faith. Once you've believed, you've ticked the box. You got your get-out-of-jail-free card. But some have taken that to mean, let's rack up our sentence. Paul had some things to say about this in Romans. 
Peter denounces these two notions, the notion that Jesus is not returning and the notion that we can live however we want, having been saved. He denounces both of these as nonsense and false teaching. More importantly, he tries to set the believers up for success in the future because Peter knows he's nearing his death. His instruction in the letter is to guard against false teachers. His instruction to do so is to know your Savior. Be rooted in your knowledge of Jesus. If you are acquainted with Christ, are grounded in the knowledge of Him, you'll be able to tell a fake. When they teach people how to detect fake currency or how to determine a forgery uh, in art, I, I interact a lot with trading cards, and, and so often I have, um, I have young people that will bring me uh, Pokemon cards, and you know they'll be so hyped about the cards that they have. And if you've spent any amount of time with the real thing, you'll be able to tell when you have a fake. Those well-versed in the real thing Spend hours and hours studying it. They know it. They're acquainted with it. And Peter's advice to the believers and to us in his second letter is to be so familiar with Jesus and Jesus' gospel that when faced with a fake, we won't get it twisted. He prompts us to be willing to say, that's not my Jesus and that's not the gospel. And it's my prayer um, as, we, as we come out of this first and second Peter series that you would be encouraged, especially if, if there are teachers in your life who are teaching you God's word, that you would be discerning and you'd be willing to, to speak to them and say, hey, uh, and do it lovingly, but say, this, is, this seems twisted from what God is trying to communicate through his word. And maybe it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes that's the case. But we should be so familiar with Christ that when something seems off, we have the, we have the courage and we have the, the fortitude to speak up. The letters and to us, books of First and Second Peter, leave us with these notions. As believers, when we reflect on our hope of a future home with God, we may feel as if we are in exile. We live in this hope but we live out that, quote, exile, well, by being unwavering in the gospel in the face of suffering. We trust God and do good. We seek to grow in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus. So that way we do not forget. Because if we've learned anything from the exile we, we witness in the Old Testament, exiles have a tendency to forget. And so, we familiarize and re-familiarize ourselves with Jesus and his gospel. Christ died for a sinner like me, rose again to give me hope, and will return to bring me home. And in being familiar, we will be better acquainted with how Jesus wants us to live, and we'll know a fake when we see it. Today, there are no shortage of hopeless ideals and false gospels. And so first and second Peter is a challenge for us. 
when we stand for the truth of Christ, Scripture tells us we are going to receive pushback, if not persecution. When we do so, we cling to our hope, we trust God, and we do good. We, we stay firm in our knowledge of Christ, and we cling to the truth of who He is. May we today, quote, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen indeed. Bye, y'all. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization, and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.